welcome to the very last episode of our Advent podcasts, Tidings of Comfort and Joy. And today's episode is the fourth and final part of our short story for Advent. Chapter 10 Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That evening David Harrison felt, and recognised himself to feel, tangibly more relaxed. That he, his wife and his daughter, all wanted to go to the same place at the same time and walk there together was not just a novelty, it was extraordinary. And the extraordinariness of it was not lost on him. He would not have expressed it like this, but for the first time in a long time, he felt the strange stirrings of hope, that there was something to look forward to, not least of which, in his mind at least, was the mulled wine. Of course, he had drunk mulled wine before, but mulled wine drunk in a Swiss chalet on a Swiss mountainside was something else. And so far, he hadn't even minded the religious bit too much. From what he could gather from Monsieur Roulet, one of the men took it in turns each night to read a passage from the Bible and give a short homily. At least David thought he called it a homily. But it must have been very short, because David had not noticed anything untoward, nothing fanatical. It was his mother who had once described his aunt as being fanatical. That always seemed unlikely to him. According to his understanding, fanatics were wild-eyed men given to acts of violence. And while his aunt certainly had what might be called a certain wildness, the only violent thing he could think of about her was the colour of her woollen tights. Even the Bible reading had washed over him, not in the sense of him not noticing it, but in its poetry. It was like soaking in a bath. He had never been good at literature at school, but he did have a soft spot for the odd bit of Betjeman or even Wordsworth, though he would never have admitted it. And there was something strangely warming in the lines of the previous night, which he didn't think was just the mulled wine. Words like, One who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days, even he had to admit had a certain beauty, a certain resonance to them, even if they were religious. So it was with just a tinge of expectancy that he set out that evening with Janie and Emily. Tonight would not be at the Weber's, but as before, they just had to follow the noise. Tonight it turned out to be Monsieur Roulet's turn to read the passage. Apparently the same passages were read every year. David wondered if that didn't get rather boring. But when he had asked that of Dr Weber the previous evening, an only just discernible upward movement of the latter's right eyebrow suggested there was something David did not yet comprehend. But if David understood nothing else, he had at least grasped that he was among friends, among people who enjoyed each other's company, and he doubted that ever got boring. It was impossible to watch Monsieur Roulet standing in the corner with a Bible in his hand and not think of chickens. But it was thinking of chickens that resulted in David missing the first few verses of the reading. 
His attention was pulled back from the hen coop by the words, For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given. If he found last night's poetry had a certain resonance, tonight he could not recall ever having heard anything quite like it. And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counsellor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. If he missed the first part as a result of thinking about chickens, he missed the last part by being riveted by what he had just heard. Someone should set those lines to music, he thought. It was Monsieur Roulet closing the Bible with something of a bang that brought him back to earth. Roulet was now heading into the homily bit, and as he was saying something about Bethlehem, Dr. Weber interrupted him. For the benefit of our Monsieur Harrison beside me, we should point out that this was Bethlehem in Judea, not Bethlehem in Bern. A general groan, mixed it must be said with the odd guffaw, went up around the room. This David did not understand, and turned and thanked the doctor for the helpful clarification. In truth, David did not know there was a Bethlehem in Bern. Come to that, he did not know there was a Bern. His thanks were met with a wink from the learned doctor, which David also did not understand. As Monsieur Roulet continued, David stole a glimpse at Emily, sat with the four girls. He looked away before he could be seen looking. He knew that she and her friends at school all looked alike, dressing in the same dark way, but this was different. The five of them were dressed in an assortment of colour and styles and borrowed clothes, and yet he thought they fitted together and Emily among them like the patchwork quilt on their bed. He shook himself from all this romanticism. The poetry must be getting to him. And there was Janie, sat beside Madame Roulet. He was aware of the gently swelling conversation around him as Roulet finished the homily and watched as his wife and the visibly weak Madame Weber turned their heads to each other. There is a moment before a tear forms, when the eye is almost painful. David felt that prick and controlled himself. But to see his wife turn and talk head to head and engage in conversation with another was reason enough for a tear to form. But he did not let it. He was British, after all. Chapter 11 I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. The days and evenings of Advent passed. Emily spent more and more time out of the chalet with Mathieu and his friends, the four girls and the two boys. Back home, if Emily spent this many hours away from them, the Harrisons would have worried. It would have been the occasion for numerous awkward conversations in the kitchen, debating whether they should call her to see where she was or speak to her when she got back. But back home, there seemed to be a direct correlation between the hours she spent out and the dark moods that enveloped her. Here it seemed the opposite. Mathieu, or one of the young men, Timothée and Hugo, would typically call for her en route to the girl's house. 
Sometimes they would watch them walk as a group past the chalet as they headed for one of the paths that went into the woods and up the mountain. As the days progressed and the snow increased, they took those paths less, but there were still times when they would pass the chalet, and at least once from the kitchen window David saw Emily turn towards the chalet looking to see if she was seen. It is difficult to describe what a mere turn of the head meant to him, when he was used to downturned eyes, to think that it might matter to his daughter that she was seen by her parents made him ache on the inside. And when she would return, rather than being darker, she seemed lighter. More than once David wondered if his aunt's chalet might not be enchanted. And then there was Janie. Quite spontaneously she had begun to talk. Of course she had talked before, but their conversations, unprovoked by something they needed to discuss, had long since dried up. But that his wife had begun to talk again of unneeded, unprovoked things was another reason he found himself thanking the memory of his wild and fanatical aunt. The conversations had begun one night after a reading. David could not remember exactly how many nights ago it was, the important thing was it had happened. They were lying in bed, and he was feeling the sweet glow of mulled wine, with the added effect of having eaten possibly one or two too many croissants au jambon. He could not think why these had never made their way to England. If they ever made it home, and he was beginning to wish they never had to, he should persuade someone to set up an import business for them, though he did have to admit to himself that they probably did contain an unwisely high level of salt. But you only live once, he told himself. I don't want Madame Weber to die, Janie had said. He rolled on his side to look at her. No, he said. She told me that this would be her last Christmas, that she would not see another. I suspect she's right. Sometimes I think there is a bit less of her every evening, he replied. She said she hoped this would be my first Christmas. Your first? What did she mean by that? Janie rolled to her side to face her husband. I asked her that, not straight away. I began to think I knew what she meant, and I wasn't sure I wanted to hear it. She said that she could see lots of pain in me, in us. Well, I think she's not wrong, but things have been but Janie did not let him finish. She said that she could see something had died in me. This time David did not reply, and that she hoped, wanted me, us, to find life here. Well, I think... But this time Janie did not need to interrupt him. David Harrison trailed off all by himself. And I think we have. I, I mean, I think we could, Janie said. I told her the other night she is the most alive person I've met. Who would have thought that, David? That a woman dying before our eyes is more alive than us. And I told her that I wanted what she had. What did she say? he asked. He rolled onto his back. I mean, I see it too. Do you remember at your mum's funeral? how the vicar told us we had to include that Bible passage from that psalm about the shepherd. Yes, and that line about walking in the shadow of death. Yes, 
Madame Weber is walking in that shadow, in that valley, but she seems to shine. But it's not just her. She shines the brightest, like that star we see each night when we walk home. She shines brightest, but they all shine. I mean, they all shine compared to us. Now Janie rolled onto her back. I think we are shining more than when we came. Even Emily. Even Emily, David said. Do you think your aunt knew? Janie asked him. Knew what? Well, why did she leave you the chalet? Why did she say we had to be here by advent? Why, if not for this, to be lying here wanting to live? And to see Emily come alive. If just three, four weeks ago someone had said we could be like this now, what would you have paid them? We'd have sold the house for this. And instead we were given it for free by my crazy fanatical aunt. He turned back towards her. So what did Madame Weber say? I mean, how are you, how are we supposed to find what they've got? She said we just had to keep coming, to keep listening. And they did, right up until the morning when they knew that it had happened. Chapter 12 There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Emily sat inside waiting for Matcha to come pick her up, but he didn't. There stole over the house a growing anxiety as Emily and Janie and David each intermittently stood at a window and scanned the street. An hour or more after the time Mathieu was due, it was Monsieur Roulet who knocked at the door. They had seen him walk past the windows, and David opened for him. Sitting in the living room, Janie and Emily could hear the conversation at the door. They didn't need to hear past his first words. I am so sorry to tell you. And like a crashing wave, grief engulfed the living room. It was Emily who moved first. Both she and her mother wept as those words sank in. But it was Emily who moved first, towards her mum, and came and sat beside her on the sofa, and hugged her. David closed the front door and came into the living room. They looked up at him. He raised his arms at his side, not as a shrug, but as if forlornly offering them something something he had no words to express, and they watched as his face crumpled. When their tears had mostly stopped, David said, So, she didn't get to see her last Christmas after all. No, replied Janie, just two days short. I think she did. I, I mean, I think she will. Emily's parents looked at her. 
I mean, I think Matcha would say she will. Not here. Not with him. Her voice caught. But she will. He said so. I asked him how he could believe all this God stuff with his mum dying. He said it was that that made it all bearable, that I should look at the stars more, and I have, and I think he's right, she will. Not here, not with us, but she will. I think I need your help, David said. They looked at him. I need both your help. We should go and visit Dr. Weber and Mathieu. Monsieur Roulet said we can, that it wouldn't be wrong to. And I want, I think we all want to do that. They nodded. But after that, I need your help. Monsieur Roulet said they would like me to do tonight's reading. He said they will be too emotional, that they will all be there, and he expected Mathieu and the doctor and the girls and everyone to still be there. He said they would want to be, that she would want them to be to be among friends, but they want me to do the reading and give that homily thing, and I haven't a clue where to start. The three of them looked at each other, and the tears started again, this time mingled with the laughter of disbelief. How, David wondered, could grief be so sweet? Chapter 13 and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. At least David did not have to choose a Bible passage. Monsieur Roulet had scribbled it down for him on a folded piece of paper he found in his pocket, his notes from a previous reading. Luke 2, 1-7 it took Janie and Emily and him a while to find it in their aunt's English Bible, but they were fairly certain that Monsieur Roulet's Luke was the same as their English Luke. At least the passage was about Christmas. It must be right. And in that, they were not wrong. Monsieur Roulet was right. Everyone was there as he had said they would be. But the chair where Madame Weber would have sat, sat empty. The mulled wine and croissant au jambon were also there, but the mood was palpably less full, less jolly. It was not that it was sombre. If David had been asked to describe it, he would have said it felt weighty, not heavy, but weighty, as though all they had read these past evenings, all the talk of glory and divine presence and incarnation, were hanging in the air. As David took his place in the corner to speak, he looked at them all, as they looked at him. He knew he was nervous, and he knew his hand that held his notes was shaking just enough to be noticed, and he knew that when he started his voice would quaver a bit and his mouth would be dry. But he also knew as he looked at them that he was among friends, that somehow, not just Emily sat with the girls, but he and Janie belonged among them. He read the passage, closed and put down the Bible, and took his notes. This passage tells us of a baby's birth. I suppose we could call it a story of new life. Last night, Monsieur Corner, at this David nodded at the round, red-faced, white-haired man who must be a farmer. Last night, Monsieur Corner told us of the light that shines in the darkness. 
I know that today that darkness must seem very real to you all. But what Janie and Emily and I have learned is that the light really does shine in the darkness. And you and Madame Weber especially have shown us that. His voice broke. Emily looked down. Janie wiped a tear. David controlled himself. But what I think, well, what Janie and Emily and I think, because they helped me write this, the room turned and looked at them smilingly, approvingly, is that this passage tells us that the birth of this baby means new life for all of us. At this he moved his arm in a sweeping fashion to indicate the whole room. It was a gesture well meant, but in using the arm that had the hand that held his notes at the end of it, he managed to lose his place in his notes, and so the effect was a little lost. And it also tells us that this baby was left out in the cold, that there was no room for him. But you had room for us, and you did not leave us out in the cold, and Janie and me and Emily want to thank you. He stopped. They looked at him. He looked at them and felt awkward and exposed. Er, uh, that's it, he said, finished. Sorry. There was a murmur of approval, and then the four girls sat either side of Emily, followed by Mathieu's friends, Timothée and Hugo, and then Mathieu himself, and then all the adults applauded. David looked at his feet and felt that strange mixture of relief and pride that all first-time speakers, who have not made a total hash of it, feel when their talk finally comes to an end. It was the last reading of that Advent season. David had not known it, but his was the final act. Shaking hands with him as they headed for their homes, Monsieur Roulet had said, I hope we will see you tomorrow night. Of course, David had replied, we wouldn't miss it, not for all the croissant or jambon in the world. Whose house is it at? Ah, of course, why should you know? Monsieur Roulet said, Tomorrow is Christmas Eve, and we gather at church. Oh, said David, but you must come, all of you. It would not be the same without you. No, said David, I, I mean, yes, of course, we will come, of course we will come, to church. And he could not quite believe that he, David Harrison, had just accepted an invitation to church. As Monsieur Roulet walked away, David looked up at the stars. Life, he thought. New life. I wonder if you can see it all, aunt. Crazy, wild, fanatical aunt. And if you can, thank you. And they did go. David, Janie and Emily. As they stepped out, Emily looking once again like a patchwork quilt of borrowed clothes, David took Janie's hand, and she did not resist. The open doors of the church shone in the dark. As they neared the doors and joined the file of people entering, they saw Dr. Weber and Mathieu waiting. Good evening and Merry Christmas, Dr. Weber said. Mathieu and I would like you to sit with us. Well, Mathieu would like you, Emily, to sit with him and the others, while we oldies must sit apart, where we cannot embarrass them. Emily looked at her parents. Of course, 
David said, yes, of course. As they sat on their hard and cold pew, Janie turned around and saw Emily sat with the others on the other side at the back. They were all laughing and looked suspiciously as though they shouldn't be. She turned back, leant her head towards David and said, I don't want to leave here. I know, he replied. I don't want to either. I've been thinking about it. We will let tomorrow pass and then I will go and speak to Monsieur Roulet. I think he will understand. He seems like a, well, like a wise man. If there's a way, I think he will know it. At that, a man whom David took to be the pastor rose and stood on the dais at the front. For the first time in his life, David wanted to hear what he had to say. The end. Well, that brings these Advent podcasts to a close. I hope they have brought you some comfort and joy this Advent season. A big thank you to all of you who listened and to those of you who contributed to them. Our last song is O Little Town of Bethlehem, and it only remains for me to wish you a very happy Christmas. God bless you all. Christmas, I'll still be seen.